Every resident of New York who wants it, doesn't matter whether they're documented, undocumented, immigrant, born New Yorker, you will get that ID, you'll be on the books, your kids can go to school, you can get jobs, you can get medical care, the police will know who you are and what your address is so they can keep track of you and so forth. So he's you basically sidestepping the whole immigration debate in Congress. He's he is, he's, not just he's saying, look, you guys aren't doing anything, you're frozen. You know, and you know there are 12 million people here who are, quote, illegal, but they're here and you're not telling us what to do with them. Well, we'll, we'll take the decision. We'll do it. My own belief is if enough cities do that, you'll find a soft road to full citizenship status because a desperate government looking for a way to deal with the reality of undocumented workers will say, well, if they live for five or ten years with a city visa in a city and live according to the law, maybe that's a good way to give them, uh, you know, put them on the road to national citizenship. But whether or not that happens doesn't matter. Immigration is an issue cities can and will deal with because they have to and because they can't. So when you look around the world, I mean, you know, you've studied cities around the world. Are there, I'm sure there are lots of cities that are doing things well, but two or three model cities that kind of jump out at you, well, this is how it should be done. In Europe, Hamburg is an amazing city. It's just declared the first green capital of Europe. It does wind turbines in the city. It has zero emission buses. It has a program of compact communities in which you look for density and then put green spaces around them rather than the sort of massive spread that you have in so many American cities. So Hamburg is a, is a place that's doing all these things, but it's doing it with a mayor who understands you can't do it at the expense of economic development. So he's working very hard to show that a sustainable economy and a prosperous economy are not incompatible. That you can do, if you find the right policies, you can do both at the same time. So Hamburg is a great example. Singapore, which is another city-state, well, some people have problems with a rather authoritarian government, although that's loosening up over time, has in terms of housing policy and environmental policy been a global leader. The housing system there allows people to buy subsidized housing and then resell it and keep the profits. And it allows people when they're young to have a one or two room, when they have families, the three or four room, when they get old to stay in the same building and move to a one or two room. Again, uh, the private development industry benefits because they build the housing. The population benefits because they're the ones to whom the housing is sold and they own it and they make the profits when it's sold and everybody has a sense of place. Families stay together in the same building. It's been a very, very successful uh, policy being imitated now in other cities around the world. Well, well let, let me ask you about Detroit. I mean, if there is a, a poster child of, a, of what not to do in a city, it would seem to be Detroit, which recently went yeah. uh, bankrupt. And uh, totally, totally, totally wrong. I mean, that's to say that perception, obviously it did go bankrupt. That's not wrong. Why it went bankrupt is because of the way in which we define our cities. Detroit and many other cities were in the United States founded in the 18th and 19th century. And of course, back then the city limits were very narrow. Detroit inside its old city limits is one thing. That's a city that in 1950 was the fourth largest city in the United States with two million people and all of the automobile industry located there. Very, very successful city. Within 40 years, it had lost two-thirds of its population. It's under 700,000 today. Half its schools, parks shut down. Terrible problem. And you say, so, so doesn't that show that you know, Detroit and other old industrial cities can't make it? But here's the reality. The reality is the 10 counties around Detroit that make up the actual Detroit today, the greater 
Detroit metropolitan region, served by Detroit's cultural institutions, served by its universities, served by its transportation system. Those 10 counties, while Detroit was shrinking, went from three to five million people. A lot of the industry that left downtown Detroit settled in those counties around it. And those counties today uh, are the fourth most advanced, prosperous, new tech zone in the United States. And if you count that as Detroit, Detroit's not bankrupt. It's one of the most successful areas of America with a downtown area that has some problems that you got to deal with. But right now, the downtown area is in effect hived off, left with no resources, told to take care of itself. Well, all the counties that it created and whose prosperity came from Detroit in the city are off on their own, enjoying their resources, enjoying their tax revenues, but not taking responsibility. So a lot of places have that problem. They are narrowly defined by old jurisdictional boundaries, which no longer comport with the reality.